0: Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It's, all... it's on page 976 uh, in the Black Bibles. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This is God's word. It is really good to be with you today to uh, continue our, in our series in the book of Ephesians. We are only covering one verse today. We're not usually like that. I talked to a pastor one time, and he was starting a new series in the book of First Peter, and I said, so how long will that take you about? And he goes, I don't know, three or four years. <laughs> I promise we're not going to take three or four years, though some, I think, people would like that. We're not going to do that. We are going to hit one verse today, and it is glorious. So it is good that you are here with us to take part in that. May we hear from the Spirit. And let's do so by praying first. God, thank you for your abundant mercies. We uh, approach your word uh, with great joy, but great humility. You, the Lord of hosts, have spoken into this world. By your prophets, by your apostles, you have spoken to us. Through your son, Jesus Christ, he is the word spoken to us. And so we need your help, oh God. By the spirit that we just sang about, would you fill us up that we may see you, see you for who you are. God, do not let us run from the sin that you are going to uncover this morning. May we not push away the places that you're going to ask us to go based on your holy word. We ask only that you would comfort us and fill us with great joy and raise our affections, raise our emotions for you. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So if you ever go hiking and you make it to the top of a mountain, what do you do? You don't head right back down. That would be crazy. No, you you get to the top of a mountain and you start to look. You take your time in taking in the view. Sure, getting up the mountain is part of it, but so much of the reason why you climb something like that is to see is to get a vantage point that you do not usually have. We live at sea level down here. We can't see anything. When I lived in Florida, it was flat and hot. You couldn't see anything. You climb up on a mountain and you see everything. Everything. And you wonder how you can even take it in. How do I take in beauty like this? It is so big and so overwhelming. How do I grasp, how do I understand everything that I am seeing? But you try anyway, and you find your heart filling up as you do it. You find your heart growing in thankfulness the more that you do. We are, in a sense, standing at the top of the mountain in the book of Ephesians. We're looking down. These next few verses that we are going to walk into, it's one long, amazing sentence from Paul, be the most important, most glorious, most beautiful in all the scriptures, and I would say because of the content in all of the world. And it has, this is the amazing part, it has everything to do with us. It has everything to do what God has done for us, what he has promised to us, what he is doing in us, and it is almost too much to take in. It is almost too much to, dare, to bear, and yet that is what he is calling us to do today. So last week we covered verses 1 and 2 where we learned that God has chosen to rename us in a sense. He has given us a new identity and our identity now is found in Christ and it is for our good. We are in his son. We're going to talk more about that later again. For his glory, for our joy, and he does it by giving us grace and peace. Remember that? Grace and peace is not simply a nice, warm greeting. It is a glorious reality. God was gracious to us in making peace with us. We climb that mountain and now we stand on the top of that reality, on the top of our identity, and we're looking out. And we're going to see what is, and, and everything will be revealed to us. The next many mornings will be revealed to us the great blessings of God. Everything we see below, every spiritual blessing, he says, is ours. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Let's, let's uh, use three points to get through our text this morning. Three points. awakened to blessing. Two, enraptured by blessing. And three, taking our blessing. Awaken, enraptured, taking. One, awaken to blessing. Would you look at verse 3? If you have your Bibles out, I hope you do. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Now, that's not just a nice statement. That is an incredible statement. That's not just another Bible verse that you can glaze over. That is, if true... Bold. And if it's not true, then it's just plain arrogant. Why? Because Paul is saying that everything that you need is in God. Everything that you need for this life, for your joy, for your satisfaction, it is in God. People seeking meaning, seeking restoration, seeking to live out lives that are better, that are loving. Paul is saying You'll find it in this verse, in these next verses. Everything that you see below, that is what you need. Every spiritual blessing. Okay, so fine, let's take him at his word. How do you get it? How do you gain access to blessing that isn't just something out there that lasts for a little while and then you have to replace? Like some piece of technology. Or even something like a a loved one. Love does not last forever. What do we need in God that he is offering? How do we gain it? Well, Paul, I think, is saying we have to be awakened to it. He would not be saying this to the Ephesian church if they did not need to hear this again. We need to hear it too. We need to be awakened to the reality of the blessings of God in Christ. How do we do it? How do we gain access to it. Now, I don't know how a Buddhist exactly would say it. They would say that you gain blessings in this world by denying yourself, by giving up certain things. An atheist might say that you gain blessing, you gain peace in this world when you make peace with the reality that there is no God and that your life is whatever you make of it here and now. Some Christians might say this if you want to experience the blessing of God, you've got to strive. You've got to work. You have to work hard to please Him. And so quickly, usually after this, they think that the verse associated with this that's in the Bible is, God helps those who help themselves. That is not in the Bible. But that is where we live, isn't it? If I work hard enough, God will bless me. He will owe me. Paul says none of those things. He says something that should uh, amaze us. He says in a sense, if you want to experience the blessings of God, you must be a hedonist. A hedonist. You must seek pleasure way more than you have been. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. This is not you got to work to get there. You've got to climb up the mountain to get to the praise. No, this is pure elation. This is pure gratitude. This is pure happiness and joy in what God has already done given him, given. This opening song from Paul is not do more, but be awakened to the glorious realities of life with God that you already have. Be awakened to his overflowing love. Be awakened to his amazing beauty. Be awakened to the salvation that he has offered to you because you have access to it right now. And that is the problem at the same time. That is our our hang-up for some reason. We have everything laid out before us, everything that we need in Jesus Christ. And yet we settle over and over and over and over and over again. We settle for things that are not as good as what God provides. For things that are less durable. For things that do not provide us enduring satisfaction and peace for things that often make in us evil, producing in us anger and frustration and anxiety. We settle, as C.S. Lewis famously said, for mud pies. Mud pies. This is from his work in The Weight of Glory. If we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised to us in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too weak. I'm sorry, I've got to get this right. Not see, I did it on my own. Not too strong, but too weak. Not too strong but too weak. He says, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because they cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Is that us? Is that you? Have you settled for things in your life for money or power or sex or drink or ambition, as he says. It. Ephesians 1 3 is a front door, he's saying, to a glorious mansion of blessing. And all you have to do is walk in. It is the front door to a palace of pleasure and joy, of durable happiness and satisfaction. It's as though we're living down in this shack by the river and we have the keys to a mansion in our pocket, the most glorious mansion overlooking the sea, and all we have to do is be awakened to it. We have to feel the keys in our pocket. Take them out. Walk up the hill and enter. Say Bill Gates is your friend. He's your best friend. And he calls you up and he says, listen, I have decided to bless you. I've decided to to bless you. And I'm going to give you something that is worthy of my name. You know what? In fact, I, I, I can't wait any longer. You actually already have it. It's sitting in your garage. Okay, so you hear that on the phone. You're at work. You're Bill Gates' friend, which is kind of weird, but still he's, it's okay because he's your friend and he's told you, I've given you a gift in my name. How do you respond? You hang up the phone and go back to work? You have feigned interest? Oh, okay, that's nice. Or do you drop whatever you were doing, get into your car, start smiling, and drive like crazy? Missing traffic laws your car breaks down, you get out, you start running. You will not quit until you reach it. That's an earthly blessing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. God has given us a gift in the name of Jesus He has given us a gift. This is a gift worthy of his name. Far greater than any earthly gift. Far greater than any Bill Gates gift. And so I say, will you not at least go to look? Will you not at least go to open it up? Paul is saying, be awakened to the blessings of God. That is a good thing. Two, enraptured by the gifts. Enraptured by the gifts. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, now we're going to be unpacking this as we go. We're going to be unpacking all the, the spiritual gifts. We're not really hitting any of them. Really, this morning, we're talking about the, the nature of the gifts. But the gifts, if you want to know, are holiness and blamelessness and forgiveness and redemption. And we will see why they are good when we come to them. But the groundwork is knowing where they have come. From the heart they have come from. The very nature of the gifts is revealed by who is giving them and where they reside. So we're going to say three things here. To be enraptured by the gifts, we must understand that they are gifts from the Father. Found in Christ and secured in heaven. We, are, we have gifts, access to gifts that are from The Father, that's very important, from the Father. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Now, this passage is actually kind of reminiscent of other Jewish praise languages. If you see in the Psalms, you can read things like, Blessed be God, who is great and almighty and powerful. It's a lot like other ones, but this one is different. This one is different because it adds the word Father, doesn't it? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we learn a couple things. First, we learn that God is not just one, but he is three. He is living an eternal relationship with the Son and with the Spirit. So he is God the Father. He's the Father of Jesus Christ. But listen, we are immediately to be reminded that that is our word too. That word Father is for us too. He is God, the Father, not just of Jesus Christ, but of all of his children. If you read on in verse 4, what does it say? We are chosen for adoption. And listen, that says so much about the blessings that he gives us. He showers us with blessings because he is our Father. He gives us gifts as a loving dad. Listen, um, in Massachusetts, as you are well aware, there are too many kids who need homes. Too many kids. And not just Massachusetts and New England and the country in the world, orphans. Kids who do not have a mom and a dad. Now if you go onto the Massachusetts Adoption website, the foster care website, you can actually see the pictures of kids. A little picture is there and there's a little statement below. And it talks about what they want, their prayer, their hope. Now, here's what they don't say. They don't say, all I want is an Xbox. They don't say, all I want is a lot of new clothing. No, they say, all I want is a home and a family who will love me. Almost every single one says that. I want a father. I want a mother. I want you to choose me. And this is the heart cry of every person. To have a father who loves us, who will give us what we need no matter what. God says to us that you were spiritually orphaned. You had nothing. You were by yourselves on your own. And I've done everything I can to bring you back into my family. I am now your good father. I'm your loving father. And I'm here to give you all things you will never suffer for want. Now, I I think we do need to say something about this. This is hard. This is definitely hard hard. Being an orphan and coming into trusting a father, someone to care for us when we have been trusting ourselves for so long, that is a huge leap to make. And you see this in the real orphan world, in the world where kids are adopted into families. It is not always a smooth transition. Russell Moore adopted two boys from a Russian orphanage. They lived basically in squalor with hundreds of other children, no one to care for them and to fight for what they had. Little, ch- little children, little babies. And he gets them home finally, and he sits them in their, ch- in their high chairs, these twins. And he starts to feed them. But he notices immediately what they're doing. They're taking little bites, little pieces of food, and hiding it. They're hiding it. Why? They do not trust that the next meal is going to come. They don't trust that their father is going to provide for their every need. My mom went to uh, China a few years ago, many years ago now, with a friend to help her adopt a baby from there. And they finally get these kids and they take them to their hotel rooms. And uh, many of the kids were malnourished. They had not eaten enough. Many of the kids were sick. But I think that the saddest thing were the kids who were well, because what they did was something I can't get out of my mind. What they did was started to work. They would get into that hotel room and they would find ways to clean, to serve, to make that person in front of them love them. Sweeping, cleaning the sink. They figured out ways to serve their master. And all their parents wanted them to do was to love them and know you are safe now. Listen, we are like that. We cannot imagine the good blessing of God for no reason. We have to earn what we get. We have to control the blessings and ration them. That is the opposite of what God wants from us. No, he is a father who blesses liberally, a father who provides everything and more. And all we have to do is go to him. We do not have to earn our way with him. We just have to receive. We do not have to work our way into his blessing. We live in it. The blessings are ours because we are his children. The gifts are from the Father. The gifts are found in Jesus Christ. This is so important. The the gifts are found in Jesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us what? In Christ Christ. With every spiritual blessing. This does not exist unless those two little words exist. That preposition and that person, in Christ. We receive everything because we are in Jesus. Now, what does that mean? Well, it, it means essentially that we stand with Him, we are united with Him in a way that He stands for us. He is our representative, our advocate, our spiritual head. And this is important because we were not always advocated for by Christ. Our spiritual head was Adam. Maybe you know that. When we were born into this world, we were born into his race. And so we took his name. So you can think of it in terms of heritage. He stood for us. The family name was Adam. And that was not a good name because it didn't entitle you to anything Except death. That's all you got. You lived this life and then you were done. And then Jesus Christ came. He came and he lived the life that we should have lived. He was perfect. And then he died the death that we were supposed to die. He took on the weight of the law and the wrath of God for us. And he took all of that. He took his perfect obedience and his righteousness, and he gave it to us. The Bible says that we are clothed in it. We don't just have his name, we bear his clothing. We now bear Jesus Christ. He is our brother, and that is a powerful, powerful thing, for that means we are united with him, not just in someone who has given us his righteousness, but someone who is powerful, Quickly look down at Ephesians 1.20. What does it say? God, he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as his head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I just want you to think about that. That is our brother. That is our name. He has given us everything in Jesus Christ because God in Jesus Christ is seated on high. We are united with him, one with him. Whatever he has, it is ours. One commentator puts it this way. We struggle to fully apprehend all the goodness all the glory of our union with Christ, the beauty of a sunset, the power of a storm, the purity of a child's prayer, the majesty of a hero's glory, the wonder of love's passion, and the hope of eternal glory when such earthly blessings fail. He says all of these are of Him. All are under Him. All reflect the wonder, majesty, purity, power, and beauty of who He is. And because we are in union with Him, they are ours too. Our gifts are of the Father. They are found in Christ and they are secured in heaven. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. These gifts, in a sense, are in heaven. Now, this doesn't mean so much that they reside there, that that they're somehow kept for us there and someday we'll get to them. No, it's talking more about the nature of these gifts. These gifts are heavenly. And I'm just going to just bring out one little aspect of this. It means that our gifts are secured. Unlike our earthly blessings, these gifts in God will never fade. They will never rust. They will never cease to exist. They are ours forever. And I can, I just want to say this. That is the answer to so much of our pain and suffering. And that's the kind of the elephant in the room as we've been talking about this. Maybe you've been saying to yourself, okay, good, the blessings of God, I love it. The spiritual realities of being in Christ. But that does not, that's not me right now. That does not mark my life. I'm suffering. I'm struggling. I'm anxious. I'm depressed. How does this help me? And I pray that it does in this way. Because when you see your future, when you see your blessings, when you are reminded of what is coming fully, that is often all that you need because when you believe it, then your blessings are secure. They are yours. Brian Chappell, a pastor, he talks about a little a cabin that he and his family have in Michigan. And they go there every summer, and what they like to do is head out the front door, and they take off into the woods. No trail, just going. And well, one day they, they did that. They went out and They went a little bit too late. It wasn't the wisest thing. He thought that they could make it back just fine. He thought he knew the way. he didn't. And then it got dark. And then it got darker. Now, he knew they were lost, but he knew they could not stop going. And so they kept walking. And he was getting scared. And he could tell that his kids were getting scared. What's dad doing? I don't think dad knows where he's going. And he was about ready to turn around to them and say to them, Listen, we're lost. This is not good. But right as he did, he saw something out of the corner of his eye. It was a light. It was the light of that cabin. Tiny, but there. They were safe. They were secure. Now, as he says it, nothing really changed. They were still out in the forest, far from their cabin. They were in the dark, surrounded by the cold. And yet they were all happy and joyful. All was well. They just had to make it there. Their safety and security and happiness was assured. Ours is also. Ours is unending, never rusting, never fading, held with Jesus Christ. We are experiencing it now, but the great reward is coming, and it will never go away. Awaken to blessing, enraptured by blessing. Finally, taking our blessing. Taking our blessing. Verse 3 again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly blessing. Here it is, Paul saying. I am laying it out for you. And I'm going to lay it out for you for verse after verse. This is a banquet. It is a feast. And it is all for you. Now take and eat. Sit down and receive. Now what's the problem? We can let it sit there, can't we? We can be awakened to the Father's giving heart. We can be enraptured by all he has given us. Look at that. It's so amazing. And not take it. Leave it there, uneaten, unconsumed. Maybe I've told you this story before. I'm sure I have. I like to tell this story. It's amazing to me. So I had this friend in high school, and he was part of a big, big family. I think nine children. And even though their father was a doctor, when it came time for Christmas, the money ran out pretty quickly. They couldn't get big gifts for every kid. And so what they decided to do is that every year, one of the children would be set apart for one of these big gifts. They would get the gift, the big gift that Christmas morning. Someone new each year. So my friend was 16, just learned to drive. It's Christmas morning, they do all the opening of presents, and then the parents were so excited, they, they stand them up, they walk them out with a blindfold, and they're all standing there, and they take the blindfold off, and there in the driveway is a car. A car. They got him a car. They never did that for any of the other kids. And it was wrapped in one of those huge ribbons, you know? And he looked at it for about 30 seconds. And he turned around and walked back inside. I wanted to punch him when he told me that. He said, It wasn't good enough for me. That's not what I wanted. I didn't want that 1988 Buick LeSabre. I wanted something else. He stared at this amazing gift, and he walked away. And all I want to say, I, I just want to end this morning by saying we must do the opposite. The gifts of Christ may not always seem like they are good, but friends, they are good. The gifts that God wants to give to us, they may not always seem like what we need, and yet we must take them always grab onto them, jump onto them, hold on to them and never let them go. Here's how one commentator put it. The reason the believer does not receive spiritual benefits is not because God is in some way stingy or that he or she must plead for them, but because believers are not appropriating by faith what God has already bestowed in their behalf. He talks about it like Joshua at the edge of the promised land. You know the story. Moses had marched the Israelites for 40 years through the desert and he finally brings them to the edge of the promised land and he dies and Joshua takes over and he's there. He can see it. He can see the land flowing with milk and honey, but he had to take it. He had to, by faith through grace, grab a hold of the gift that God had given to them. How will we take hold of our blessings in God? I'm just going to offer three very, very practical things. This is not the only thing. These are not the only things, but these are things that I want you to focus on this week. Speak, unplug, and maximize. Speak, unplug, and maximize. Speak, speak. So this is great. This is a fun factoid, an important one. And the Greek here, when you get to the word blessing, the word is eulogia. Eulogia. Maybe you can hear it there. That's the word that we get the word eulogy from. Eulogy from. You, which means good. Logia, means which means word. A good word. So when you are at a funeral, hopefully someone gives a good word about the person who has died. This is different though. God is alive. And we are to speak blessing. We are to speak Good words about him, to him. And so I say, friends, recount your blessings. Recall to your mind, speak out loud everything God has given to you in Jesus. When we are speaking, we are believing. When we are believing, we are living. Speak, unplug, unplug. What I mean is that in our culture, Maybe more than ever, we must take times to unplug and plug into God. Unplug from the world and plug into God. We need to pay attention to Him. It's very simple. We were on a a vacation this last summer at Camp of the Woods, and it was in the middle of nowhere, upstate New York. I'd never been there. And we're there, and we're sitting out by a campfire one night, and I look up, and I think it was the second night there, and I hadn't seen it before. I think it was probably because it was cloudy before, but when I looked up, I I was astounded. Astounded. I I looked up and I saw the universe. I saw the stars, the galaxy. I made my way out to this little peninsula that goes out over the lake. And I stood there, away from the lights of the campground, and the universe came in to view. And I hate to say this, but I had forgotten. I had forgotten what the universe looked like. I had forgotten about its majesty and its beauty. I had to literally unplug from the city to remember the great beauty of the universe. We must unplug from the world from time to time to see God in all of his glory. Tim Keller said this recently. This is anecdotal, but everyone I talk to seems so busy and is communicating so incessantly around the clock that I do think there is more and more prayerlessness and praise. There is less and less time where people go into a solitary place to worship. And I am sure that we are more prayerless, less worshipful than we have been in the past. And that says that our spiritual health is in free fall. So I just want you to ask the question of yourself, what will it take for you to unplug? and plug in. Unplug from the world and plug into the Lord. I am not saying that those things are evil that you're unplugging from. I'm saying if those are your only avenue to experiencing God, you will never get there. Okay, I'm gonna point out something and I'm poking at myself too. When we go home at night, I think that we have told ourselves something that may be a lie, that we have to be a people recharges. We need to, to veg out when we go home. And what do we do? We turn on a TV show, right? And we think, I think, and I've told myself this, that this is actually helping me. This is helping me to grow, to fill up. And it's not. I'm not saying TV's bad. I never, I'm not saying throw your TV out by the curb. I think my kids would disown me if I did that. I'm saying unplug from time to time. Stop. Open up the Bible with your spouse, by yourself. Remember the the promises of God. I promised you that you will be more fulfilled through that than any endless amount of TV watching. I had a friend tell me that this week. He said he finally unplugged. He read and he was energized in a way that he had not felt energized in a long time. Long time. Speak, unplug, and maximize. Maximize. In other words, get the most out of what you're already doing. Get the most out of what you are already doing. I think it is easy for Christians to do the adding game. We have all these ambitions to, to do more. And we have a problem. Well, this is what we're going to do. We are going to do the most. We're not just going to do some things. We're going to do all of the things. And so we say, I'll read my Bible at 4 a.m. I'll pray for three hours. And I say to that, good luck. Good luck. Because it ain't going to happen. What I say to that is, use what you already have. We are We have filled our lives up. We are maxed to the core. So fill up by using what you already have. Do what you are doing to the fullest extent possible. When I was a a kid, I played the drums, right? I played the drums. And my first drum set, it it wasn't anything to look at. It didn't sound good. My cymbals weren't nice. So I went to my parents, a 16-year-old. I had no money, but they did. And I said, hey, I need a better drum set. I, I need this. I gave them the, no arguments. I just said, I need this. And they looked at me kind of like, okay, are you going to go play for James Taylor next weekend? Well, no. Why do you need it? I said, maximize what you already have. Use what you already have. And that was the right answer. We are people who need to use what we already have. When you come to church, Come ready to worship. Come ready to bow your heart down before your maker. Sing our songs with passion. Pray the confession with honesty and sincerity. Maybe you need to think about things even before you get here. These are the things that I need to confess with my brothers and sisters before the Lord. Listen to the sermon expecting to hear the voice of God. When you go into a small group, when you are meeting with friends, make the most of it. Don't settle for niceties. Don't settle for talking about the weather. Dig deep. Don't just share prayer requests about someone else. Come in saying, this is what I need. This is what I'm struggling with. Confess your sins. Ask for help when you serve. Do it like Eric Liddell. He was the famous Christian sprinter who became a missionary serve like he ran. Feel the glory of God running through you. Serve him. Maximize your service. Just a story to end. There was once a boy who was with his father, and the boy was about 12 years old, and he had won some amazing award. And his father said, I want to take you, I want to take you to Kmart. I'm going to take you to Kmart. And I and he, and he took him there and he kind of put his hand like this. He says, whatever you want in this store, you can have it. Anything that you want, it is yours. To congratulate you, you can have anything, anything you want. Now, the boy did not have a real grasp on money or how, how it worked or how much money his dad had. So he kind of limited things in his mind. He didn't even see the stereo systems and the expensive bikes or anything that cost more than 100 bucks. And so this was in the 80s, he chose a cassette tape case. Something to hold his cassette tapes. It was less than $50. He was content just with that case. It was more than he could afford, so that's probably what his dad could afford. Years later, he went to his dad. He he remembered about that and he says, Hey, hey dad, I got to thinking, you know, you told me I could have anything in that store, but I I didn't do that. Were you serious? The father thought about it and he said, oh yeah, I remember that. I had a thousand dollars in my pocket and I had a checkbook ready to write anything that went over for you. Friends, the blessings of God are not hidden from us. They are not sitting in his pocket. They are laid out for us. And we have access to them in Christ for our joy. May we take hold of them. May we take hold of them. Let's pray. God, we offer ourselves before you. We say that we have been stupid. We have not believed your promises. We have not appropriated by faith all the things that you have given to us in Christ. We need more than that, we say. We will settle for this, we say. Oh God, by your grace and by your spirit, would you lift our heads? Even as we go to take our blessings, we will fail, we will trip, we will fall. We need your sovereign spirit to help us along, to keep us motivated, to keep our eyes up, our heads keep falling. May you pick them up. May you fill our hearts so that we are seeking your pleasure, your joy, your comfort, your glory above all things. And God, I pray that especially for those this morning who are suffering, who are hurting. God, would they see that light, when they see that light that is far off, and trust it. Would they be comforted by the knowledge that you love them, and that you have given everything for them. God, we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.